0: Welcome to Tips from Trestle. This podcast is dedicated to discussing the senior living industry with a unique focus on food, hospitality, and leadership. I'm your host, Aaron Fish. As a 25-year veteran of the hospitality industry, I've focused my work on creating exceptional experiences for the customers we serve. My goal for this podcast? Educate, inform, and inspire leaders in senior living to bring food and hospitality to the front of mind in our industry. Let's bring the innovative and passionate spirit of hospitality to everything that we do for the residents, families, guests, and employees we serve each and every day. So what are we waiting for? Let's get to it.
1: Do you wish you knew how to build your team in this post-pandemic environment? Could you use creative ways to elevate mindsets about senior living? Are you ready for tips to better understand mental health and reduce burnout? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then Kathy Perry is ready to help you and your teams energize. You're ready to explore a circuit of power that will help your organization, your teams, and you burn bright. Kathy holds degrees in business and food management from Miami University and a certification in plant-based nutrition, as well as a coaching certification. She is the creator of the Power Up and Perform course for senior living professionals and holds the designation of professional speaker from the National Speaker Association. Ms. Perry has authored four books, including her latest book, Senior Living Power, Energize and Serve with Joy. Miss Perry lives in Ohio, where she enjoys a mild dark chocolate addiction and cooking for hungry friends. Kathy, thanks for joining me today on Tips from Trestle.
2: Absolutely, my pleasure to be with you.
1: So I, you know, we met a while back um, yes, we're Bridge the Gap ambassadors, and we got to talking about what you do, and I was very intrigued by how you went from the first part of your career to now being a coach and a speaker kind of talking about energizing and and pumping up teams. So kind of give us a little intro about how you got into that.
2: Sure, absolutely. So um, my very first job out of college was as a trainer for a very large um, uh, national bank. So I'd travel all over a certain region and do training. So it'd be just Mm -hmm. something that came very naturally to me. And then as my... um, Career progressed. I stepped out of banking, but still love that idea of training. So when I started my business, I looked at it a little differently. I thought I'd be doing more coaching. And then it did a little bit of a shift and it turned back to training. And I've always loved to stand up in front of people. So that kind of led its way into speaking, which is a whole different world, which is really exciting. So that that's sort of my the way I kind of morphed into an actual, more of a training and speaking than coaching.
1: So, uh, you know, looking at your website, it's, you didn't start in the senior living industry. You spoke, you've spoken to a number of really large companies and corporations. And so how did you get into the senior living industry? How did you make that shift? And I guess, why?
2: Well, that's kind of a personal um, motivation. So I was, you're correct. I was speaking to banking associations, accountants, um, engineers, all kinds of on on this whole topic. My last book was called The Rubber Band Resilient Leader. So it was all about resilience. And that was yeah. all sort of pre-pandemic. And then I remember saying that I was in, uh, at an event in Las Vegas and it just didn't have anything in common with the people I was speaking to. And I thought, this isn't right. I should know and understand my audience better. And this is where it gets a little personal. So my youngest child of four uh, was born with a severe um, mitochondrial dysfunction. So her cells did not turn food into energy properly. And when we were going through the diagnosis when she was an infant, we were told the best we could hope for was two years. Well, so that's devastating news to yeah. any parent, obviously. And it sent me on a journey um, of how do I help my child? And I had a background in food management, nutrition, which is where you and I kind of align on that whole right. food thing. And this is twenty over 20 years ago. So before you could just really Google every disease and everything. So I really set off. I got certified. I, I did all kinds of research around and... Um, my daughter ended up living 20 years. We'd just lost her last year. But mm-hmm. the point is, is that I was a caregiver and she also yeah. had additional caregivers that came into the home. So I understand that honor that comes with being a caregiver for another human, but also the stress and the strain oh, yeah. and, and what that can feel like. So when I spoke at my first senior living conference, I was like, these are my people. I have to get (laughs) back to this. I understand what this is. And that was right, right before the pandemic, really. So then I spent quite a bit of time during the pandemic, really immersing myself and saying, what, what do these professionals need? How can I help? What, what is there that I, I, I should be doing? So it was personal based off my daughter it was also a little selfish based off of me. Like, who do you want to spend your time with? And I yeah. want to spend my time with professional caregivers.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a great story to understand that you personally understood like the caregiving aspect and and all that, you know, being in the hospitality side of things, I talk about hospitality with a purpose. And, you know, I think that hits home a lot more with people because it, you're right, it's about getting to know the people you're working with, the people you're serving. Um, but you're right, it's really stressful. And I know having worked through the pandemic in and in not with an operator, that was um, not a fun time to say the least. I mean, they were throwing curveballs at us almost every day. So, um, So obviously through that time, there was a lot of burnout and extra additional stress. And so, Obviously, I'm guessing that's kind of what led to your book, Senior Living Power, that we've got here. And so um, I wanted you to kind of talk to us a little bit about what's in the book and give us all the the good stuff. But um, there was something at the beginning of the book that kind of caught my eye, and it was this power-up circuit and the way you describe how that works. And so, Can you walk us through that and why that's so important to understand?
2: Sure. Absolutely. So um, the story in the book I tell is about the first time I understood what a circuit was and how energy flowed. And, you know, my brother was doing a science experiment and then, you know, kind of flash forward. We all remember where we were in, you know, somewhere between seventh and ninth grade when in right. science class, we got to build a circuit right? and that end goal is that light bulb. What's the light bulb. So when looking at how I wanted to serve um, and how I wanted this book to help those in senior living. I originally thought I was just going to rewrite my last book, The Rubber Band Resilient Leader. But the more I talked to professionals in the field, it's like, it's not just about resilience, it, that it's that they are just overwhelmed from this pandemic. And how can I help them re-energize? So my name and my business, you know, when I first started it uh, about 10 years ago, is corporate energy expert. So I was already in that. That was important to me because, right. it, you know, I have an HR degree and, you know, productivity and engagement. If it's not there, you know, we lose good people and there's other reasons we lose good people. But so I ended up deciding to use that analogy of the circuit. And, um, it's fun i just did an all-day training uh yesterday about it and you know we look at the light bulb and the light bulb is your end goal what what do you want to what do you want to light up every day and Mm -hmm. the the problem is is we have so many light bulbs so i help people kind of define which are the really important light bulbs and which ones can we dim just a little bit and are other people's light bulbs getting in the way of ours so that's kind of the first part of the circuit yeah um And then we go into the wiring and the wiring is what I call the procedures, the systems, the way that flow of energy happens, either with you personally or your leadership team, your organization. And we get into things like the resistors, which are the energy drains. And then of course we get into the power sources. And that's where I spend a lot of time talking about what are those, I've narrowed it down to five essential power sources that can help I do it on three levels, the organizational level, your leadership skill level, and then a personal level. So what are those power sources?
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: I I noticed that as I was looking through the book, you know, you talk a lot about all those other pieces, but then there are a ton of chapters, five, like I said, that just talk about the different batteries. And so when you break those down between organizations and like departments and individuals, do those have different means for each of those, like how do those work um, at those different levels? Because I think that's important when you think about how we can be successful working together as a team.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So yes, when, when I do these workshops, we do, we break it down by, okay, at an organizational level, um, concentrated listening communication, that's kind of my first seat, they're all C batteries. Um, that looks like how do you communicate throughout your entire organization? You know what kinds of systems are you using? Are they up to date? And um, you know so organizationally, the way we communicate looks really a lot different than okay as, as a department head or a director, um, how are you communicating with your team? Because that's not your big overall organizational system. And some organizations here you know, are multi-unit or multi-facilities, and their communication is going to look different. And then we break it down even further to the individual. Okay, so how do you communicate with your team? How do you communicate one-on-one? And then we get into conflict resolution in that whole piece because that's at the one-on-one level, that is what I've discovered is the communication piece that many struggle with. So so those are kind of different levels and different lenses that we look through when we look at even just like that one battery, the C communication. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so, I mean, on that communication piece, I mean, I know personally and being in leadership roles that that one can be so critical. Like if your message is taken the wrong way or, you know, you don't deliver it timely or you don't understand the why behind it, you know, it can be really you know difficult for, for teams to do that. And so um, I guess kind of talk us through the very high level kind of the the five c's for your batteries because i think that can kind of help the listeners understand why that's such an important piece as to how the circuit is powered
2: right so my five c's are concentrated listening slash conflict resolution contributing and when we get to the contributing battery this and and if, if your listeners will uh, buy the book they will realize that Aaron helped me with this piece um <laughs> uh, as far as a story that he told but often we run into like everyone doesn't want to step up we don't want to contribute so we go into a whole thing about why do people give what you know if you were going to give your you, people are giving their time and their talent um how why do they want to give that and so we do a kind of a deep dive into because if they don't trust that their gift matters or their contribution matters or there's they don't trust the leader. So we build up on a trust factor in that battery. Um, and then we go into, I got to get them in order. I, I might do them out of order, but civility, mm-hmm. uh, incivility on a team is one of the quickest ways that we can lose power, drain. People will check out, not show uh, up. Oh yes. Um, So that's a huge thing. And and we even can do a dive into diversity, equity and inclusion on that civility piece. Um, Because we know if we are a bit diverse, um, you know, we get new ideas, innovations. So what did I do? Concentrated listening. Um,
1: uh, So there's the community battery.
2: Yes, the community battery, which is all about, you know, how do we react in a community? Then we have care, which care You know, we think, oh, well, we're caregivers, so we must be discussing how well we treat our residents. But this book really doesn't have much to do about our interaction with our residents. It's about care for ourselves and care for our teams. And it's funny, no matter what and where I speak (laughs) and and all these points are taken, when I go to a break or I'm outside listening to people and what they took away, they are focused on that care because- I'm trying to give people permission to say, yes, I am burned out. I am stressed out. I I want to make my personal care after everything we've been through more of a priority. And that's sort of where my background in um, as a wellness coach and all my nutritional background kind of steps in. And yeah. and then, yeah.
0: I think it's really
1: that it's interesting you you put it that way, right? Because I would think people might. Just look at the quick table of contents and go, oh, well, there's this whole spiel about how do we take care of residents and how do we do all that? Because it's about seeing your living. But that self care is so important. That's something that I have always struggled with. But I think having lived through this pandemic and kind of seeing the toll it takes on people, their physical and mental, emotional health, um, because they just, especially in our industry, because people are just dedicated so much time and energy, focusing on keeping our residents well and safe and engaged, that that almost took a backseat. And I think there's a lot of people that are starting to realize uh, that it's something that we've got to take, uh, you know, a lot of care and focus on for ourselves.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And a a piece that I always address, because I like to say the stigma has gone now, let's get this on the table, is also mental health. And I'm so impressed with so many um, owner operators and organizations that they are adding that piece into their healthcare, but helping directors understand what that might look like on a team. So what are some of the signals that maybe it's just a little beyond stress? And you know, we we walk a fine line when we're trying to help our teams and we don't want to get too personal on some issues, but Letting people know there is an outlet that if if this thing is gotten to the point where it's more than stressed that we address it, and that there are mental health professionals to help with that because we would hate to lose good people because of that,
1: yeah, it's almost kind of creating that welcoming environment of, hey, we don't want you here just because you're good at taking care of people. We want you here because you're a good person and you're part of this team. We want to make sure you're here long-term and that mental health is such a huge portion of that. And so there's one more battery that you talk about the celebration battery. Uh, Can you kind of walk us through that one? Obviously that one sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, that one is the fun (laughs) one
2: and we forget it. We forget. So um, I like to say acknowledgements and celebrating are the pieces that keep people engaged because we what we might celebrate a birthday we might celebrate a work anniversary when i work with teams we actually create a form that they use for onboarding and it's called the celebrate and acknowledge form and i just did this with a team and they filled it out for themselves and i said how'd that make you feel they're like that was pretty cool like if you show up and you're going to be interviewed for a job and the job is offered And the first thing they do is offer you a a place to put down, how do you want to be celebrated and acknowledged? And we go through all kinds of ways. But the first question on that form is what makes a great team member? And then the second question is how can we celebrate you as a great team member? So the expectation has now been set before they show up for their first day that, okay, if I'm a great team member, I'm acknowledged and I'm celebrated and, um, I, I discussed so many different easy ways to do that. One time I had someone's like, "Well, who's gonna pay for this? You know, it's like, no, you, it doesn't <laughs> even have to be that. It doesn't have to be you know an elaborate party or luncheon that's thrown, but yeah. there's so many ways to take that time to acknowledge. So everything from, you know small awards placed to someplace public to making you know that goal met. We don't often quite create as many goals as we should, because once you create a goal and you meet it, you can celebrate it. Yeah. And um,
1: No, when I talk to people about even the onboarding process, you know, that's one of those things that a lot of times gets missed, right? Like, how do you welcome somebody to the team? And I always talk about, like, I refer to it as day negative 14. You know, it's that day that they've decided I'm coming to work for you. Like, how do you welcome them? How do you bring them? I love that concept of, hey, We've offered you a job. Now tell us how to celebrate you because now you can start from that moment on. And when they actually start working for you, like there's a whole different mindset of, well, they wanted me here. You know, they, they spent two weeks while I didn't even work for them getting me ready to be a part of the team. So I kind of feel like, you know, that sets that stage for all of the other things to be, you know, just kind of over the moon, great for a new employee. So, um, you mentioned a little bit earlier about my participation in the book. I wanna take that a step above um, and not about me, but about, I wasn't the only industry person that you spoke to about the book. You, you interview quite a few leaders for the book. And so I wanted you to kind of tell us a little bit about that um, process, um, what you took away from it. Like how did that influence the, the book?
2: I love to interview people. I just, I think you find out so much um, that you don't know. And of course, you know, part of this was written during COVID. So I could not obviously get into facilities, even my own daughter, the last year of my daughter's life, she was in um, a residential facility for adults with both um, physical and mental disabilities. So you know, our visits were outside and you know yeah. so i i know when i understood that but i really wanted to hear the story so you know writing a book is an interesting thing is the way it comes together and the pieces and i would be like okay here's a piece i want to write but i really would like to have that firsthand how did somebody else do it or what was the challenge so luckily the network of senior living professionals that, you know, that i've brought into my network or they brought me into theirs They were so generous and so gracious and um very um animated and open about what they went through so just calling them up or sending them an email (laughs) saying would you do this and and then i had to kind of guide it because i didn't i knew exactly the area i was going to kind of put that in so my questions you know like how you come up with interview questions ahead of time i just came up with the questions that i thought the reader might want to have answered, or just might want to be more curious, and and sometimes we're afraid to ask those questions ourselves. So yeah. I did a little of the work.
1: Do you, when when you talk to the industry leaders, did you find any like similar threads or themes? Did they easily relate to the content you? Are, I mean, all the other you're talking about the circuit in the book. You know, that's obviously your process for teaching and coaching on how to do this. But did were you able, was it easier to find like the nuggets from the industry leaders as you talked to them about that? Was it obvious or do you feel like it was something that industry people didn't really think much about until you talked to them?
2: Um, it was pretty obvious. It really was because I, the more I described the concept of the book and what was going on, everyone pretty much understood, okay, yeah, the drains. Yes, there have been these drains and the power, we get it, like so certain pieces that, you know, can help power up. So I remember one in the book was about technology, like, well, how could you use an outside vendor or a new technology to power up a team? And so that was, you know, so I went to one of those outside vendors and how would you, you know, basically explain how this could help relieve some of the pressure on a team. Um, But no, people were really um, interested and engaged in, you know, thinking it, it's a different way of thinking like okay there's certain things that drain me and i need to figure out how often that happens and are there things that could keep me from being drained by either that person that system <laughs> that procedure yeah identifying the drains is part of my process and um i believe it's a very important piece that we get to before we can even do the powering and, and finding out what's going to power us back up we have to identify the drains. So
1: yeah, no, yeah, they were
2: great. People were wonderful.
1: Yeah, no, I will say that's probably the the biggest takeaway I've personally found since I've kind of gone out on my own, you know, as an operator, you wind up almost kind of living in your own little world of taking care of residents and managing all that, but having moved out to the broader industry, it's definitely there's a lot of people that are willing to give and share and want to help each other, which is, you know, obviously why you, you kind of shifted over to living. So mm-hmm. um, as we kind of wrap up here, there was uh, kind of the last part of the book. You talk about, you, you have a chapter that's called The Most Important Life. And I kind of wanted to end on that because I really felt like that was uh, really a great way to kind of wrap up the book and to really talk about uh, how you get there. So can you kind of share a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. So
2: at the beginning of the book, I talk a lot about these light bulbs that the whole circuit has to do with lighting up the light bulb. And it's important to keep these lights. And then sometimes we turn them on sometimes, you know, dimmers, but I share about the night light because as all caregivers know, um, when you need to go into a residence room or a child's room or into a hospital room, there's always that dim light and the mm. dim light is what guides you when you're in the dark. And when I start off my keynote, I always always say, are you in the dark? Do you like that feeling? You don't like that feeling. No one likes the feeling of being in the dark. You bump into things and it's uncomfortable. So in that chapter, I talk about the nightlight and that it doesn't have to be a big, bright bulb that keeps you going, but it doesn't ever turn off. And so in my case, my dim bulb that I will not turn off is joy. Um, I believe joy is within us all the time. It is ours to choose. Um, It just so happens to be my daughter's middle name was joy. So it's interesting to hear. I just did this with a group of 25. What is that dim bulb that you will not let ever go out? And some people, it's their faith. It's their family. I had one this week that said humor. Um, so what is it, you know, that you just don't feel like you can continue on unless that's always burning. And I just, as caregivers, I like to say this is not an easy profession, but it no. is probably the best. The honor of being able to care for others is something that, you know, drives everyone who's listening and it it's a special place to be, but don't lose sight of what it is that makes it important to you and keeps you going. So that's what that bulb is about.
1: Yeah. No, it, that reading, that was kind of a wow moment for me. Of I never really kind of looked at it that way or, or kind of, you know, you hear people talk about what's the driving force, but that analogy and the way you described it just made so much more sense. And so, um yeah, it was, I'm glad you were able to, to share that. So um how can people reach out to you, Kathy? Like how, if they want to have you come talk to them for a workshop or do a keynote or just get you know, more information about getting your book. Like give us all of your uh contact information.
2: Sure. I, I'm super easy. I'm Kathy with a K, K-A-T-H-Y, at Kathy, same, Perry, P-A-R-R-Y.com. Anyone can email me. My website is KathyPerry.com. A K and an A, um, Perry with an A, and then the books are all on Amazon. So yeah, and you can also find me hanging out at senior living conferences. So <laughs> I think I say in the book, if you ever see me, let's let's sit down and chat <laughs> and, and share.
1: Definitely. Well, we'll put all of the contact information in the show notes. We'll put a link to your book on Amazon, so people can go and grab it and check it out. It's great. Um, so. Kathy, thank you so much for being here today on Tips from Trestle. Um, I hope everybody gets a copy of this book and reads it because I think it's it's going to really change people's perception and how they, they can go about energizing themselves for sure. Great. Right.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm always happy to talk about powering up people.
1: Absolutely.
0: Thanks so much, Kathy. Thank you. So there you have it. Another one in the books. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. You can follow or direct message me on LinkedIn where I'm always commenting and posting about food, hospitality, and leadership for the senior living industry. Or give me a follow on Twitter at AHFish or Instagram at aaronhfish, And check out my company, Trestle Hospitality Concepts, at www.trestlehospitalityconcepts.com. I'm your host, Aaron Fish, and this has been another episode of tips from Trestle.